We acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians of this land, the Bunurong people, and pay respect to their elders past, present and emerging. We recognise and respect their continuing connections to climate, culture and country. Open Book Podcast. In this month's episode, Mina and Rwandi's book chat is on the Garth Nicks young adult fantasy novel, The Left-Handed Booksellers of London. Then one of our newer members of staff, Shanali, will talk about some of her most recent favourite reads. So You Think You Don't Like segment for this month is Thrillers with April. And lastly, there will be some book reviews from Lauren and Robin. Hope you enjoy this month's episode. Hi, today on the book chat, we are going to be talking about The Left-Handed Booksellers of London by Garth Nix. Um, and my name's Mina, and I'm an information librarian. And today with me, we also have Rwandi, who is also an information librarian. Hi, Rwandi. Hi, Mina. Hi. Um, we're going to be talking about this book because we decided we talked about too many harrowing books in the last few months and we thought we'd take it down a notch or two and talk about something light. We may have gone a little too far in the other direction, but that's okay. I think we'll be fine. Um, plenty to talk about still. Uh, this book was published in 2020 and is a standalone YA fantasy novel. The storyline, uh, if you, the story is worn around uh, Susan Oxshaw uh, and an uh, 18-year-old girl uh, and her quest to find her father. Um, the story goes as she just turned 18 and then she uh, wished to go to London to study um, as well as she wants to uh, find her father. So it's Basically, the mom, her, she lives with her mother, a little bit away from London, and then the the she always thinks about her father, but then her mother gives a very vague description about. Not mm. she doesn't want to talk about her father that much, and so uh, first she arrives to London and goes and meets uh, Frank Tingley. Um, Frank Tingley is a friend of uh, Susan's mother, as well as a crime boss and a sipper. So, do you know what? What is a sipper? What is a sipper? I would say it's sort of a vampire. Okay. But, however, uh, the story says vampires are not real. As uh, well, yeah. the sipper is uh, is someone like a vampire, but it would bite and they would like lick the blood they would not bite and suck the blood and, oh, they, that's right. not... and they don't kill the person do they yes and they would, yeah. they don't bite your neck they mm. would bite your wrist <laughs> or your leg or ankle or something like that yeah it's a bit weird yeah yeah a bit more and... gross but yeah <laughs> yes <laughs> so and then what happens then unfortunately for susan he turned into dust by the prick of a silver hairpin uh, in the hands of Merlin. Merlin is a left-handed bookseller. So 
who is a left-handed book? Yeah, who is a bookseller and who is a left-handed bookseller with a helping? <laughs> the left-handed booksellers are a bit more active, the frontline fighting booksellers, and there are also right-handed booksellers, and they're a bit more of the problem-solving, cerebral, magic-weaving kind of bookseller. Yeah, Merlin, who's one of these booksellers, he's the one of the youngest members of this secret society who police the mythic old world. So basically uh, Merlin and um, Susan um, had this unexpected accidental meetup at uh, Frank Tingley's house. And then the story goes on from there. So basically Merlin being a bookseller, selling books plus um, fighting with mythical creatures, uh, he has his own quest in the story. So basically to find uh, who arranged the murder of his mother. Mm. So in this story, Susan uh, was dragged into this whirlwind of mythical events because just just an ordinary 18-year-old girl wanted to go to college and, uh, you know, start her life and find her father. Mm. And then she was dragged into this mythical world and then it threatens her well-being. Um, there was just different um, urgent tasks that given for them to do, find, uh, recover a grail and... Uh, and yeah, and as she gets closer to finding her father, she starts discovering more about herself and maybe some yes. other powers that she may not have known about before. Yes, and then meets all these um, weird creatures, he called. Mm-hmm. Um, so goes to Mayfairs and meet goblins and all the other mythical creatures. So it's a very interesting combination in this book, isn't it, Mina? Yeah, it is. It's very interesting. How did you feel about the book for one day? Um, I'm a fantasy reader, as I said before. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love fantasy. I grew up reading a lot of fantasy, um, um, mythical books. Uh, for this book, the main reason I selected the book is I'm left-handed. So when I saw <laughs> the title, I was like, oh, I want to read it. And it's about booksellers, you know. Yeah. Um, I find it's uh, because I love um all this mythical, magical um, stuff, I really like the book. Mm-hmm. However, I found that I'm reading a little... So the characters are 18, 19-year-olds, young adults or adults. Um, mm-hmm. So, however, I found it just a little bit... It felt like a little bit younger. Mm. The, uh, it, so it may be because... All these uh, Mayfairs and all the other mythical events, most of them were talked in a lot of children's books, or maybe I've read it before. It may be that. Ah, okay, yep, so um, it was familiar to you already. Yes, yeah. it was pretty familiar. Um, yeah. And I, it was very intricate and very explanatory and beautifully written. Mm. And um, so simply I felt like when I read the book, I was just walking, actually experiencing it with the character. So I really liked that. How do you find it? Yeah, I liked it. I really loved the beginning. I, I agree with you. I thought it was more like a an older junior fiction book, um, maybe for that, that 12-year-old, sort of 11, 12-year-old yes. reader perhaps um, because even though it's very violent, which it is, it's very violent, yes. um, not, that, not that children aren't exposed to that stuff in other books and media anyway, but um, apart from that, because yeah, the character development, it doesn't go into kind of any 
real inner turmoil or about with these young characters where you would normally expect to in a in a YA book with young people in it. Also the themes, even though we're talking about um, you know, absent fathers and people being murdered all over the place and um, Merlin and his sister looking for them for the murder the mur- mother's murderer. It still didn't feel heavy thematically, so it didn't feel like it was for an older audience. But having said that, yeah, there was a lot of action, a lot of adventure, and you were just taken on a ride, which was fantastic. Um, Old building was really cool. Um, I always like that in any kind of um, book, whether it's fantasy or science fiction or whatever. It's usually my favourite part. Like my favourite part of a movie is just the first third, and then by the the, you know, the last third when people are all hooking up and, I don't know, getting married or whatever, I'm over it and I just want to turn it off. So I just want to see how they create that world. So I did really enjoy that in this book as well. It was pretty great. Um, so let's talk about the um, small poems uh, that we uh, find in each chapter. So every chapter starts with a small poem, a different poem maybe just to give uh, an introduction to the chapter. So what do you think about that, Mina? Did you like it or did you read it? Yeah, I I think it's, I like it as a device in general. I didn't love these little poems, but I think that's just maybe because I'm not um, very used to that fantasy world and all of the magic and things. And I think it, I don't know, I just had a bit of a weird reaction to it. And in my head, as I was reading it, I just sort of read them in a goblin-y voice. And I, <laughs> I don't know, but it was just kind of fun, I guess. Um yeah, I don't. I don't know that it necessarily added that much, but I guess I see why why he, Garth Nix did it. Um, mm-hmm. It sometimes had seemed to have something to do with what was going on in the chapter, but yeah. What did you think? Um, I'll read one. So I yeah. just picked one out of uh, one of the chapters. So it says, um, "Old, old it was, keen as a blade, blade thin and thirsty, thirsty for blood, blood for its drinking." So this is the um, this is one of it. Every chapter ha- has one. So mm-hmm. to be honest, I just read it. Some of them, uh, some of the poems really did not make any sense, you know. But yeah. I was looking for an answer. So when I read the chapter, I was always thinking about the poem, and I was like, oh, okay, well, it's going to fit in, sort of. Oh, boy, yeah, okay. I did that. I, I mean, it was, that. <laughs> it, not really consciously, I would say, but mm-hmm. I. I read the poem and I was like, oh, what is it talking about? But uh, to, as you said, not every poem was pretty clear for me. As in, you know, I, I'm, it may be there is, a, um, there is a significance or there's some sort of introduction, but yeah. I could find um, in every chapter, you know? Yeah, and obviously there doesn't need to be. I'm not, yeah, I, yes. but I, yeah, I did think that um, maybe it's because I actually read the book I read it by an e-audiobook. So mm-hmm. because I listened to it, you just sort of listen, you just hear it once. And sometimes mm-hmm. with like poems, I kind of have to go back and have another little read of it. Otherwise, I'm not going to get the meaning in the first go generally, even if it's pretty basic, you know, it'll just sort of fly mm-hmm. past me. So I think maybe that's also why. So I know that you're not um, really fond of reading uh, fantasy as we, when we discussed before but uh, then um, reading this book so what do you think about this mythical creatures does it um, feel that too um, unnatural or out of this uh, world type 
to you or how do you find it? I think, look, I like things that are out of this world and surreal and stuff like that. I think maybe um, the sort of magician bent of that is not really my thing or the mm-hmm. goblinsy type thing. But okay. I, I did enjoy meeting all those uh, magical creatures. I thought that was quite cool. I would have liked more story about where they came from. This was obviously not that kind of a book. This was meet the magical creature, have the fight. Yeah, <laughs> and then move on, you know, have the adventure. But it's, yeah. so it's not really about the origin story of all these magical creatures, but that's the kind of thing that I like. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I enjoyed meeting them. I thought it was pretty mm-hmm. cool. I haven't read a lot of fantasy, like as you were saying. I did notice that in the book he had a few references to um, other books. and um, Yes. Yeah. Um, one of them was a book that I, t- I remember that I had read, and I still have it on my bookshelf. I never get rid of books, but um, it's called The Weird Stone of Brisingamen, and I don't know if I'm saying that right, but I hope I am. And it's by Alan Garner, and I'm pretty sure it's written in the 50s. Um, and that protagonist was also called Susan, actually, um, and that was a kind of a little – I mean, that's for children. That's a, definitely a junior fiction book. And I, I loved that when I was a kid, but I don't seem to have gone on to have read a whole lot more after that. I'm not sure why that happened. Um yeah, he had some other references as well. He referenced a couple of other 80s um, icons. Well, one of them's a children's icon, Wurzel Gummidge. I don't know if people remember him or if you've ever seen that Rwandi, but it was an English show about a scarecrow, a magical scarecrow, um, mm-hmm. and which I loved. I also just love the name Wurzel Gummidge. So that was referenced. He sort of threw in a few 80s references and also Mike Oldfield a couple of different times. Susan and Merlin are in the in a car or something and they're listening to the radio and it's Mike Oldfield and he wrote um, Tubular Bells, which is um, a very famous piece of music that was at the beginning of um, The Exorcist. Um, people probably know that. Um, I really enjoyed those real-world 80s references. You know, I'm also a child of the 80s, so that was pretty great. Okay, so um, I'm going to ask you a question. How do you feel if you find out your father is a rock or a mountain or a river or a <laughs> tree or something? How do you feel? Um, confused, probably, mostly. Um, yeah. And maybe then a tiny bit excited that the world is a lot stranger than I thought it was, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the story goes on as um, so Susan finally finds her father. So, but unfortunately, oh, fortunately for her, she is a, a daughter of uh, an old one. So, as in, so the story says that all in this magical world, not the world we live in, the world, mm-hmm. the old world, they have different mountains, rivers, and trees have power, and yeah. they they can take human shape. And what happened in the story? Susan's father uh, took human shape and fell in love with Susan's mother. But unfortunately, mm-hmm. some dark forces have captured him and bound him mm-hmm. uh, and uh, kept him in a casket or a place so to steal his power. So as the firstborn or as the child of an old one or a mythical creature, Susan uh, was given that power when she, she turned 18. So it was always the power was yielding her or calling for her. Uh, yeah. And then the whole the book 
talks about how she had to fight with all these dark forces to gain rescue her father as well as uh, gain control of her power. It's so beautifully yes. written. Yes, and then I thought about it. What if my father was a mountain or a, oh, if I find out? Yeah. I wouldn't say, yeah, so I don't think I'd like it. <laughs> so, <laughs> you wouldn't like it, though. I wouldn't like it. It's maybe yeah. difficult to have a relationship with uh, mountains. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. Yeah, but then, yeah, it just, uh, it, even even Susan, um, the, the story, the main character felt it just a bit weird to, you know, meet the father and find out he's a, he's a very powerful, yet um, has a lot of power, yet he's a, he's a mountain. He's, he's so, a mountain. <laughs> yeah. He's a mountain, yes. Yeah. Let's talk about Susan. I thought she's a very, um, she was portrayed as very fun-loving, kind of funky, and very bold character. Mm. It's it says in the beginning of the book she's very attractive. She's striking. Yeah. So that means it seems that she's very beautiful. But I I really like how the author portrayed her as very not so naive, but she seems like really naive. She had. Most of the time, she had no clue what's happening, whatsoever happening around her. (laughs) But she was pretty bold and she kind of, you know, she's very capable, very capable. capable. Anything that was thrown at her, she did, she did manage. She just kept on moving. And so, yeah. Yeah, And then simply like very um, spontaneous character, sort of, Mm. you would, can somebody who can think on her feet. Absolutely. And act as if required. So I really yeah, like yeah. that. I like yeah. that too. I also like the little bit of a uh, little bit of budding romance between her and Merlin. So oh, yes, I thought yeah. it's a nice twist or nice, you know, nice yeah, addition. A nice little dash of that. Yeah, yeah dash of romance, but not too much, which was good because I can't really deal with that. So I, oh. I appreciated that it was just a dash. What do you think about Merlin? Uh, no, I liked I liked Merlin. Yeah. I thought he was. I don't know. He was kind of fun. Like they, they was he was he is very fluid. He was I don't know. You sort of couldn't pin him down, which was pretty great. He was, you know, he's got a real great sense of style, and um, you know, his sister talks about him as though he's a bit of a a player. Um, mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, but but yeah, I don't know. Like apart from that, I. I yeah, I don't know what else to say about Merlin. Yeah, I like his fashion. So it was very, very, you know, so that I think the character was, at some point I thought, oh, eventually he's going to turn himself to a girl. So, you know, that's oh, what in the beginning of the that. book. Yeah, he was thinking about, about, can I turn? I mean, because they are magical creatures. So, yeah. and he, he may be really old because it started talking about things from 1800s or what, but then it never really, he's, yeah. he, he says he's him um, human female, uh, sorry, human male at this stage. Uh, so it's it seems that they also have power to change their appearances, sort of shape shifting yeah. and all. And I really like the fact that he was very kind and very um, kind in the sense like he always looked after uh, Susan, maybe because he ha- he was yeah. fond of her or yeah. Well, I think Very, it was because he was fond of her. <laughs> yes, and then as you said, he his sister uh, <laughs> said it's a player, and then he actually thought Susan was different than anyone else. Yeah, that was. I found that a bit strange. I don't know. It's just because I'm not used to these magical books. But he fancied her, and it kind of they kind of described it as because she has magical powers. That's what he noticed, and that's why 
he fancies her. And I was like, yeah, that's a bit unfortunate, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> that's, I think, what happened um, at one point at Vivian, uh, Merlin's sister just described that as like, said, um, you're not the type that he normally dates. So mm-hmm. that that may be Susan is a different character and she's on her yeah. own own person on her own terms, yeah. and then Demarlene and she wasn't too um you know attracted even she was attracted she didn't show it that much or at least the story goes as she was like she's just yeah. surely attracted but it was like she was her own person was not really and a lot of things were happening to her and changing her you know um, yeah. what yeah. she knew or at, at least what she knew as true mm. so it may be that but I think um I like his character. It was like a very nice supporting character for, yeah, um, to, yeah. for Susan's uh, role. I, yeah, I think you're right. The only downside, if I say, for this book, it actually, as I mentioned before, it's beautifully yeah. written, but I felt like it is for a younger reader, for a junior reader yeah. instead of mm-hmm. um, a YA. So that yeah. was a bit of, I felt like I'm reading a kid's fairy tale. I think it's yeah. because of I grew up reading a lot of uh, fairy t- and it, those characters, as I said, all these um, different, different, um, yeah. for example, goblins and snippers and all that uh, creatures mm. were there before as well. Yeah. And uh, it may be that. That's the on for me, that's the downside. I but, wonder if that familiarity, though, means that this book would be perfect for. Um, adults who need that escapist moment. So I was thinking about, you know, whenever I read anything now, I think, oh, would I have liked that during the pandemic? Would that have been the perfect thing to read? Because, you know, there was so much, so many, there was so much of the time you wanted to read something that was escapist. And this really is, because it doesn't have those those intense themes. um, And it does have that childlike fantasy aspect and all those familiar magical creatures. So it might be that it's one of those ones for when you just need a bit of a break. Yes, and yes, definitely just um, because you can simply read it and then um, as well, there's nothing much to really worry about. You don't see night won't see nightmares even it's, it's no. very very you know there are just murder and all That's these it. weird creatures but then yeah. you won't see nightmares because it it's just written right. nicely and it's all magical yeah. and in, i mean you know that it's not real so yeah. i think it would be a good book for anyone really um yeah, if they I really so want too. to read something really light yeah. um, and and i like the storyline there was a bit yeah. of mystery the bit of especially susan's father and the murder of um Merlin's mom and then how they all connected together and mm-hmm. everything so it's a good read it is a good read yeah no I agree I think yeah you're right it would be be great for anyone who especially wants to dip their toe into the world of fantasy because it is a standalone book too so you're not bound to a whole series so yes. yeah good way to get in there uh, thanks yeah. Rwandi for recommending this book for us to read this time yes. So have I um, convinced you to read more uh, fantasy novels? <laughs> I think not. <laughs> you think? Maybe, maybe. I'm not sure. I feel like you might um, maybe recommend a couple others that you've read. I'm gonna, yes. I'm gonna keep, I'll keep working on it. I promise. Yes. I did enjoy this one though. <laughs> yes. Um, that's good. So thank you, Mina, for joining uh, with me for today's book chat.
And um, yes, and um, thank you everyone for listening. You can find uh, the audiobook as well as um, the printed version in uh, Great Dadong Libraries. Thank you. Thanks. See you later. And now here's Shanali with some of her favourite books. Hi, my name is Shanali and I am a Junior Library Services Officer at Greater Dandenong Libraries. Currently, I am reading Sapiens by Yuval Noah Harari. It's a book on human evolution, but it's not like a dense, jargon-filled journal article. Instead, it's written as a novel, so you don't have to be a scientist to attempt to comprehend it. It outlines how Homo sapiens evolved and how out of all the other species in the Homo genus we've managed to survive. It talks about aspects that differentiate us from the other Homo species, such as our evolution of culture and belief in gods. Harari goes on to talk about the present state of humans, saying how we cast our intimate symbiosis with nature and sprinted towards greed and alienation. A bad bargain in my opinion and how we would have been better off in the Stone Age. The book ends with a section contemplating what the world would look like in millennia to come. Harari contemplates, like many others, whether the biotechnological revolution will be the end of us and whether we'll be replaced by cyborgs and artificial intelligence. It addresses the fact that even though humans hold immense power, we don't really know what we want and are never really satisfied, and how that can have future implications. Some of my favourite titles include Turn of the Screw by Henry James, which is under adult fiction, but I think it's also interesting for young adults. It's a short read, but that doesn't take away from the interesting plot. Set in the English country in the 1800s, the novel is narrated by a governess who takes a position teaching two children at Bly Manor. After observing the children, she becomes convinced they're consorting with the evil spirits of their previous governess and driver. She decides it's her duty to save the children from this evil, but her plans go quite awry. The book's compelling because James never explicitly states whether the apparitions are real or have been conjured up by the governess's imagination. Therefore, it's up to the reader to be the juror on whether she's noble and self-sacrificing or suffering from insanity. A book that I enjoyed when I was younger and really stood out to me was The Truth About Verity Sparks by Susan Green, which you can find in Junior Fiction. It's a historical detective murder mystery melodrama, so it really has a genre for everyone. Verity Sparks has a talent in which she can find lost things just by thinking about them and gets itchy fingers when she's close, which would honestly be a very useful talent given how often I misplace things. Verity is under the care of her aunt and uncle who aren't the best guardians after her parents passed away of of a disease when she was very young, or so it seems. After losing her job as a milliner's apprentice, Verity, who is living in London in 1878, joins the Confidential Inquiry Agency. Through this, she learns of mysteries pertaining to her own past. She learns there are unknown forces working against her and that she and her friends are in great danger. The supporting characters are also very interesting, such as botanical artist Mrs. Morecambe, who keeps pythons named Anthony and Cleopatra. 
By the end of the book, you will literally learn the truth about Verity Sparks, so the title is very fitting. If you love the first book, there's another two in the series to keep you going. My favourite thing about the libraries is the broad range of services and programs. I think there's a large misconception that libraries are just for borrowing books, when in reality we have all these services such as the literacy services, a recording booth you can hire, who knows, you could be the next Kanye West. We also have the very popular Justice of Peace. The programs are super fun, every time I walk past I want to join in. There are art workshops, school holiday activities for kids and book clubs amongst other things. You can meet new people, it's optimal for reintegrating into society after two years of lockdown. If you want more information about the programs and services, you can visit the Greater Dandenong Libraries website or ask one of our friendly staff. We don't buy it. I hope you found my segment interesting and I didn't bore you to death and you get a chance to come visit the libraries and partake in some programs or borrow some books. Maybe check out some of the ones I've talked about. Thank you. Here we have April with So You Think You Don't Like Thrillers. Hi, my name is April and I'm a member of the Greater Danon Libraries Programs and Support Team. And this segment is called So You Think You Don't Like. And today we will be discussing the genre of thrillers. Personally, I love the thriller genre. I find these types of books fast-paced, exciting, and I enjoy reading them, as I want to know what happens next. In saying that, I feel that the thriller genre is very broad. Personally, I'm not a fan of police-based thrillers or anything too focused on solving a crime. I like psychological thrillers, books that make you think and that have a strong character focus with some mystery interwoven in the story. So before doing a segment, just so I could have an idea, I interviewed some people who typically don't read thrillers just to find out what they don't like about it. Some of the answers I received were that these types of books are too realistic, scary, too much like an action movie, and that they have empty characters. Well, I'm here to recommend some fantastic thrillers and hopefully by the end of this segment I'll convince you to give this genre a read. The first book I'd like to recommend is A Woman in the Window by AJ Finn. This book is about a woman named Anna who suffers from agoraphobia and as a result Anna is confined to her house in New York City. The readers are led to believe that Anna is divorced and that her husband has custody of her daughter. We soon realise that Anna is an alcoholic as well as a prescription pill addict. Anna spends her days watching old movies, chatting online with her support group, appointments with her psychiatrist and spying on her neighbours, including the Russells, a new family that have just moved in across the street. One night, Anna thinks she witnesses a murder at the Russell's house, but no one, including the police, will believe her. So, it is up to Anna to discover the truth about that fateful night. I really enjoyed this book, 
as the mystery is very intriguing and it keeps you engaged. There are some fantastic twists. The ending took me completely off guard and I just, I loved it. This book is so popular that it has been turned into a movie starring Amy Adams as well as a spoof TV series on Netflix. Although, as the old saying goes, I feel the book is always better. The second book I would like to recommend is a domestic thriller, You Need to Know by Nicola Moriarty. This book is about Jill, an elderly mother, her three grown sons, their wives and children. The story is told from varying perspectives and slowly we find out that each family member has their own secrets and life complications that they are carefully keeping from the rest of the family. Interwoven amongst these varying perspectives is the unravelling of a car crash, which has occurred on the way to a family Christmas gathering. As the book progresses, the readers try to decipher who has caused the crash and who has survived. I also really enjoyed this book. I found Nicola's writing style intriguing with the gradual unfolding of each secret and mystery, which kept me really captivated. I thought perhaps the varying perspectives might become confusing, but that wasn't the case. The book was really easy to follow and I became really invested in the characters, looking forward to finding out what would happen next. Just so that you know, the book does explore some sensitive topics such as addiction and sexual abuse. However, I highly recommend this novel. It is a great read and it will definitely keep you enthralled until the very end. Lastly, I would like to recommend The Pact by Sarah Bolton. This book tells the story of six high school friends who are looking forward to a fun-filled summer together. But instead, after a tragic accident due to their reckless behaviour, everything changes as they are faced with the consequences when a mother and two children are killed. A member of the group, Megan, volunteers to take the blame on the condition that when she is released from jail, they will each owe her a favour. 20 years pass and when Megan is finally released, it is time for each group member to repay their promise to Megan. I love this book. It is fast-paced, eventful, and I just couldn't stop reading it, as I wanted to know what consequences would be in store for these so-called friends that left Megan to suffer. The characters are really mysterious and there are some fantastic twists in the book, which made it even more interesting to read. So, these three thriller, thriller books are a great introduction into the genre. They are fast-paced and engaging. They focus on the exploration of interesting characters and human nature. So they are not scary, nothing like an action film, and not too realistic as a lot of the situations in these books are very unrealistic. All these recommendations are available to loan at Greater Danon Libraries with your membership card. I encourage you to give the thriller genre a go, and I am sure that you will love these books as much as I did. Thank you.
And finally, here are some book reviews with Lauren and Robin. All Systems Read by Martha Wells, The Murderbot Diaries, Book One. Murderbot is a half-robot, half-human security construct whose job is to protect a group of scientists while they study a newly discovered planet. The thing is, Murderbot doesn't really like humans and would rather watch soap operas all day. A short but fun novella, Murderbot is easy to like and relate to. It is sarcastic, pessimistic and socially awkward, but still sweet and naive. It's fun to watch it grow to care about the silly humans that seem determined to get themselves killed on an unexplored, hostile planet full of killer plants, killer animals and killer humans. And how annoyed it is that they just won't listen to its perfectly reasonable advice and guidance. My favourite part was watching the scientists begin to discover that Murderbot isn't just a mindless robot programmed by the company who owns it like a computer. Instead, it is something with thoughts, feelings and even a face under the helmet it never takes off. Murderbot is probably more uncomfortable with their realisation than they are and would really love if they left it alone in the cargo hold instead of repeatedly asking it to join in, have a say in things and be treated like a sentient person. There are soaps to watch and it doesn't have time for all the real life drama. The story is a novella and not a full novel, so some of the world building is light and there isn't enough time to really get to know the human characters as individuals. However, it is the first in a longer series, so there is time to flesh out the world and the characters in it. It's a fun little read for someone who just wants a quick foray into sci-fi with a humorous and unique main character. Hi everyone, I'm Robin and today I'm going to review The Mother, which is the first novel for adults by social commentator and TV personality Jane Caro. It explores the moral dilemma, is it okay to do the wrong thing for the right reasons? Miriam is a successful real estate manager and mother of two grown-up daughters. She's happy in her North Shore life with husband Pete and is thrilled when her youngest daughter, Ali, with whom she has always had a somewhat difficult relationship, falls in love and marries a charming man named Nick and they move to the country. Just as Miriam is looking forward to the next phase in her life, her world is thrown into chaos when her husband Pete dies suddenly. Reeling with grief and sadness, Miriam is happy when Ali reports she is pregnant although it's increasingly hard for her to speak to her youngest daughter. She's always busy or has some excuse why she can't talk. They can't even make it to family Christmas. Miriam starts to wonder if everything is okay, but passes it off as normal behaviour for a newlywed couple. After the baby is born, Nick phones to say he's worried about Ellie, that she's not acting like herself and he thinks she needs to see a psychiatrist. Miriam visits and finds her daughter a shadow of her former self. Is this just postpartum baby blues or is something else more sinister going on? Ali seems stressed, confused and exhausted, but the house is not a tip like Nick described. Everything is perfectly in place. Not only that, there's a security system at the front door and it points inwards, not outwards. As the situation escalates and Miriam discovers what is really going on in Ali and Nick's relationship, she's driven to take drastic action to help protect her family. But at what price? The mother explores the difficult topic of domestic violence and coercive behaviour from the point of view of a grandmother trying to protect her daughter and grandchildren when it seems the law is incapable of doing so. 
Our online book club, The Dandy Readers, enjoyed reading and discussing this novel, so I'd recommend it for book groups. And if you like a contemporary page turner, that also gives you lots to think about regarding family violence in our society and how we have been taught to deny and rationalise many controlling behaviours. The Mother is available as an ebook and physical copy from the libraries. Thank you for listening to this month's episode of the Open Book Podcast.